How's everybody doing? Man, I feel like I have a posse after that video, I'll tell you, right? What's up? Um, so uh, it's interesting. We are starting a new series today called Living Christ. And over the course of the next five weeks, you'll hear from me, you will hear from Corey, and you'll also hear from Corey Drake. Uh, so it's going to be really cool. We're going to cover attributes of a Christ follower. We probably could have done this series for a long, uh, for months, uh, but we wanted to take five key attributes of uh, a Christ follower and go into this. So you'll get me for a week or two, and then Corey comes, and then Corey comes. So that's kind of how that's going to work. But um, it's interesting. The other reason why I'm starting this out is at the end of last year, and I don't know if you know, but uh, Corey Tremble, when he, he has his weekends that he comes and he teaches, but Monday through Friday, he carries a lot of, 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 a lot of your burdens, a lot of people who come, and, and he loves his church so much to the point of where he sacrifices time with his family to do so. And as a team, we have this reminder to, to spend time with our families, that we, we, we push each other to make sure that that happens, that we're, we're spending time with our spouses and with our, our children. So uh, a number of you at the end of last year got together and put some money together so that Corey could go on a vacation. And so right now uh, he's in Disney. So it's awesome. And uh, we're just so thankful for what he does. The downside is, is you get me. But so what we'll do is, is we will pray and then we're going to get into this first lesson in living Christ. And we're going to talk about purpose today. So let's pray. God, I just want to take a moment, Lord, before I speak a word. Lord, I just want to honor you. And God, as we walk through this today, God, what I pray is that you would open our eyes and ears. And as we look at our life and we look at who you want us to be, God, I pray that you would give us wisdom. Lord, bless this day in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm going to start with a story. A friend of mine here who's been coming here for a little while, uh, took a, a few of us, and we went to Turney Center Prison. And I don't know if you've been to a prison. I kind of hope you haven't been. Um, but prisons are basically, they're like small cities. I, I'd never been. But in, inmates there, they, they work for an hourly wage because they now have to make a new life for themselves uh, behind barbed wire fences and behind bars. So, so they work and, and, and they, they have a wage so that they can find purpose in what they do. They need this because... It, some of them are never going to leave prison. And, and so they institute all these different programs for in, inmates. So the hope is, is that for some of them who do get to leave, they will leave and they, they will be shown a better way when they go back to, to society so that they can make different choices. And as we toured the, the prison, one of the things that I love, there, there was one program, it was ba basically the inmates were training service dogs. When I was there, I literally, we walked in and this dog went to the refrigerator, opened the refrigerator, got me a drink and brought the drink to me. He found my cell phone, not that I'd lost it, and he flushed the toilet, not that I used it, but that's kind of how that played out. But this dog was amazing. And um, I talked to the, the man, his name was David, who had been training him. They trained them for a year and then these dogs get released to people who need them. And, and it's really amazing, but this, this inmate, his name was David, he basically had been in prison for 20 years. And he told me, he said, because of the decision I made, he says, I am never going to leave. And I said, well, well, tell me about it. I just, I just wanted to talk to him. 
And roughly about two years ago, he became a part of the uh, service dog training program, and he started to teach these animals. And his dog knew 107 commands. I can't get my dog to sit. I, I might can get him to pant if I time my command right, but that's kind of how that works. But 107 commands to help people. And he looked at me, and, and he was telling me about his job, and, and he started to tear up. And he said that he spent years, over a decade, with no hope, no purpose, imagining that his life was just over. And the thing is, he didn't want to go and change the, his entire life. He said, I just wanted five minutes back to undo one horrible decision that I made. I just wanted five minutes. And the inmates would talk about him, and, the, and they would say this about him or that about him. But when he started this program, this is literally what he said to me. He said, these dogs have changed my life. He said, these dogs see me differently. And in that moment, I, I could see his heart and in his tears, he almost made me cry. That though David was behind fences and filled with barbed wire and bars, what I saw was that David was free. He was free. Because you see in our lives, many of us are like David in the sense that we don't understand our purpose. And, and even though we are not behind fences or bars, we often feel imprisoned in our life because we don't understand or ever seek our purpose. So what I want to do is I'm going to give you an overview and we'll get into the lesson. There are three aspects to your work and, and, and how we are called to work. First and foremost, there are things that we want to do. Then there are things that we have to do. And then the third one is the one that we rarely get to in our lives. There are also things that we were meant to do. And if I could just give you a quick synopsis when I look at the things that I want to do, if, if I'm, I'm living my life that way, if my life is, if my priority in my life is based around the things that I want to, my life is centered around pleasure. If it doesn't make me happy in this mindset, I don't want to do it. And all the things advertised to us, whether it's commercials or what other people have or, or the internet or that next car, the next phone, outfits, sales, video games, power tools, you name it. The, the question in this mindset is, what brings me pleasure? And as that is a priority, we spend our lives trying to answer that question again and again and again. And the Bible has something to say about this. This is Isaiah. It says, they have lyre and harp, tambourine and flute, and wine at their feasts but they do not regard the deeds of the Lord or see the work of his hands. It's easy to see from scripture how human pleasure as a priority can get in the way of what you were meant to do. Then the second mindset, they're the things that we have to do. And this is not, none of these are necessarily bad, but we do things like we pay bills and we provide for our families and we do what we have to do to meet obligations to enjoy just a few moments of being secure. And if a person's life contains nothing more than these things, the objective becomes 
What do I have to do to remain comfortable? What do I have to do to remain secure? And that's involved in the mindset. In Ecclesiastes, we get this verse that kind of gives us a picture of this mindset. And this is Solomon. Most people believe Solomon wrote Ecclesiastes. So he says this, Then I considered all that my hands had done and the toil I had expended in doing it, and behold, all was vanity and a striving after wind. And there was nothing to be gained under the sun. So Solomon works, and for all his comfort and pleasure that comes from his effort, what he is saying here is it merely leads to a life with no worth. And many of us fall into the trap of Ecclesiastes. We work and we toil for our comfort and pleasure and conveniences, and we wonder why we feel empty inside as a result. Because even in the have-tos, even when we are doing things we have to do, obligations only become meaningful when they contribute to purpose. That we understand that we're working for a reason. Even if your job is one thing and your purpose is another, you at least are taking your job and it's contributing to that thing that you are meant to do. But if that's, if that's not in your life, you are just working for the sake of working. And then the third mindset, there is this idea of doing what you were meant to do. That we understand that this is not just about being happy. Life is not about being happy. We were meant for something. And and, in this idea and this mindset of what we were meant to do, sometimes it's the struggle. Sometimes we fail, but we have to pick ourselves back up because we're going to do whatever it takes to do it because we know that we were meant for this. And so in this, rather than pleasure or obligation, What we were meant to do draws us to experience who we really are. God has placed something within our heart and we respond to it. God reveals it to us and we start to discover in our purpose who we really are. But for many people in our country, we settle for what makes us happy, what brings us pleasure and what makes us safe. Our obligations usually overwhelm our life And we wonder why we don't feel like we have a reason to live. We may get a few moments of happiness in this just to keep us going. However, a life devoid of purpose will be a life without significance. And in this, we are a people who have been so bombarded with pleasure and with day-to-day obligations that we never seek what we were meant to do. We don't take the risk because it's going to take risk. It's it's going to threaten our security if we go do this thing that God wants us to do. It's definitely going to threaten the things that we want to do sometimes. And it's going to turn our lives upside down. So we put it off. Hey, I'm going to do that someday. I'm going to get to that. So I, I, I put it off. And that someday I will get to that purpose thing. But ultimately, we tell ourselves that we will get to that someday but for most, someday almost always equals never. The question as we begin this series, what has God called you to do with your life? What is that one thing that God created you for, but you have yet to act upon? You see, it's important because I believe as we near the end of our lives, most of us will face two judges. Two judges. First and foremost, 
at the very end of it, the very last judge we will face is God. And he will look at our lives through the lens of grace. And Jesus says that we will be judged by our works as believers. That's how God is going to look at our lives. But there's, there's a judge that comes before that. If your life does not end abruptly, there is a judge that comes before that. It's not me. It's not any pastor. It is not the people around you. The other judge is you. The other judge is you because near the end of your life, you will look in the mirror and you will ask, what kind of life did I live? What kind of life did I live? Near the end of our life, more than others will ever judge us, we will judge ourselves. We will judge ourselves. And as we begin this series called Living Christ, we, we entitled this because there's two meanings to the title. First and foremost, Jesus is alive. And if Jesus is alive, there are implications for our, us because he came down from the cross and he rose again. And then secondly, since Jesus is alive, every person who calls himself a Christ follower should be a living Christ. People should be able to see Christ through your life. Ephesians says it this way. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. So as imitators of God, as, as children who mimic their father, we all as believers should be living Christ. So what I want to do is let's take a look at what a life of purpose has for the Christian. And what does knowing your purpose as a Christian have? So let's get into this. I'm going to read one verse to you and the verses in your notes. And it's simply this. The purpose in a man's heart is like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. There is a premise here for us. Many people wonder why they sometimes don't understand what they are here for. We ask the questions, why am I alive? What is my purpose? What am I supposed to do? And you don't have to be a Christian to ask those questions, but we ask those questions in our life. And as we continue to go and as we continue to, to, to mature and, and, and become adults, we still have to ask those questions sometimes because we never invest ourselves in what God has placed in our hearts. What Proverbs just said to us is that a man of understanding draws it out. And here's what we, what we get from this is that purpose should never be assumed but sought after. It should never be assumed, but sought after. So in this, both our life experience and scripture tells us that we will never find our purpose until we seek it out. Until we rely on godly friends listening to God who see you and they, they see what God is doing in you and they, they point you in the right direction or, or we take the time to not just once, but over maybe years sometimes praying and asking God to show us who we really are. If we never take that effort, we will not draw out our purpose. But we don't think this way because again, it's not safe. We get consumed in the want to's. We get consumed in the have to's. And what happens is we never ask God to draw out 
our purpose. And, and there, there's an alternate implication to this. Because you see, if we never seek God's purpose for our life, the world will gladly sell you its purpose. Sell is important here. Because ultimately, when you, you give up God's purpose for your life, it eventually is going to cost you something. But society around you say, why don't you get involved in this? Why don't you do this? It has nothing to do with God, but you can do this. You can do these things. And all of a sudden, your time is occupied with something else other than what God has for your life. But as we lean into Christ, not in perfection, but in commitment, we truly discover who we really are and who God really wants us to be. This can happen for all of us. And when we forfeit any of this and we compromise ourselves for the world around us, it could feel good in a moment, but ultimately we never gain anything that by compromising purpose. We always lose something. And the hard thing is, is because we are preoccupied elsewhere, it determines the type of Christian we're going to be. And we go to church and we say to God, God, this is my wall. This is where I stop. God, this is as Christian as I'm going to be. And we build a wall and we say, this is it. This is enough. And we come to church and, and, and we stop at the wall. There's an implication. Because you see, this lack of commitment plays out in our life because many Christians want just enough to, of Jesus to feel good about who they already are rather than allowing Christ to continually transform their life. God says, I want to call you further. I want to call you deeper. But what happens is, is we hit the wall and we stop. And that's where our Christianity stops. And many of us, we're okay with it. And then after a while, after hitting the wall again and again, what happens is some people leave the church and they say, you know what? I tried the Christian thing, but it didn't work for me. It didn't work for me. Please hear me. It's not purpose. And it's certainly not faith. Because ultimately the Christian will never have true purpose on their terms, but on God's terms alone. God's terms alone. And this leads us to the biggest part of understanding purpose. Now I'll tell you on the front end, I listen to Ravi Zacharias. Uh, he pours into my life on a regular basis just in his teaching. There was a story he told last year that had a deep impact on me and it applies to this lesson. So I'm gonna tell you what he said because it reveals purpose. There's a place in the New Testament where the scribes and the chief priests, they are, they're trying to trap Jesus in his words so that he'll be arrested. So all Jesus has to do at this point, if, if, if he says the wrong thing and they can observe him doing it, they can have him arrested and tried because they wanted to kill him. So they send these people to ask him these hard questions and one questioner comes up to him and asked Jesus the question, is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? So Jesus understands that the man is trying to trap him. And he says, well, you're trying to trap me. Get me a coin. And he looks at the questioner and Jesus says, whose image is on the coin? And the questioner replies, well, it's Caesar's. And Jesus says, render unto Caesar's 
what is, render unto Caesar what is Caesar's. Render unto God what is God's. And then the story ends. And the reason why is because the questioner was not genuine in the question. Because if we render under Caesar's what is Caesar's, the next question is obvious, right? What belongs to God? And Ravi makes the point that, that's held, on, held to me for an entire year, that he believes Jesus probably would have replied, whose image is on you? Whose image is on you? Let me answer the question for you real quick. This is Genesis 1, 26, from the very beginning. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And why is this important? Because if you belong to God, your purpose does as well. And the crux of the matter when it comes to purpose is that this has less to do with what you were meant for and more to do with who you were meant for. Who you were meant for. When you look in the mirror, when you get up in the morning to get ready for work, that is God's image staring back at you. It's it's there for you. You are bearing his image. You are marked for his purpose. And before we can answer the question, what am I here for? I have to answer the question, who am I here for? Who are you here for? Before you say, God, when, when you look at your life and your actions, your choices where you spend your time, your priorities, are they for you or are they for him? Who do you live for outside of this building? Are you doing the things you want to do because it feels good? Or are you so addicted to comfort and safety that you settle for the things that you have to do? Or are you doing the things that God meant for you to do, no matter what it costs you? You see, I cannot pick and choose the Christianity I want and expect to find purpose. I have to surrender all that I am to find his purpose. Elizabeth Elliot, I don't know if you know who this woman is. Her husband was Jim Elliot, and he and a number of his friends, they went as missionaries to share Jesus to a tribe. And the tribal warriors, rather than receiving Christ, they came out and killed her husband and all the other men with him. If you've ever seen the movie, The End of the Spear, it kind of gives a cinematic take on the story. Now, Elizabeth Elliot, she could have been just completely devastated, angry, bitter, and, and by many accounts, she would have every right to but what she did is she took the rest of her family and she slowly uh, integrated with the tribe and she shared Jesus with the tribe and most of the tribe was saved. She understood purpose. And she makes this statement to us. She says this. She says, the will of God is not something you add to your life. It's a course you choose. You either line yourself up with the son of God or you capitulate to the principle which governs the rest of the world. So in other words, what she is saying to us is you can't have both. Choose. Choose. We have to understand this, this role of obedience when we're following God. Ecclesiastes says it this way. When all has been heard, the conclusion of the matter is simply fear God and keep his commands because this is for all humanity. 
And what we understand is there is never a purpose given from God to men that is not tied to the obedience of men to God. Let me say it again. There is never a purpose given from God to men that is not tied to the obedience of men to God. When we understand that our purpose is found in him, that it's lived out through him, and it's for him, purpose leads us closer to him. And when the real me expressed in purpose is surrendered to the real God, the result is real life. I don't have to pretend that the Christian life is wonderful and awesome when it truly is. But I, will, I have to be willing to take the effort to know God. And, and, and in this, when we take this effort, we discover a life we never would have lived or experienced without him. We start to see God moving on our behalf because we were never meant to live the Christian life alone apart from purpose. Because ultimately when a person commits their life to God's plan, the result is intimacy with God. This is not about putting a greater burden on your back so that you work harder. God is saying, you get to know me and we get to experience him. We see in a bigger way in this how much he really loves us and we continue as we continue to surrender ourselves. So when the love of God is realized, we no longer live by defining ourselves by what we've done. Instead, we now live in purpose because we are now defined by what he has done. Our purpose becomes greater because he is greater. And if my life, if my purpose was merely for me at best, it would be self-serving and at worst or at least it would be selfish. But a purpose defined by what Christ has done allows us to live beyond ourselves to make an impact for the kingdom of God. And with this, it drives us to the last part of this lesson because when this is said and done, this is about legacy. This is about legacy. Now, I'm going to read a verse to you from Ecclesiastes. I don't know if you've ever read the book of Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes is a very difficult book. If you don't read the last few verses, you just kind of go, ugh. It says things like everything is meaningless under the sun. All, all things are wearisome. All these wonderful thoughts for your morning devotion. You will never see Ecclesiastes cross-stitched on a pillow. Honey, will you please pass me my everything is meaningless pillow? That would be great. It's my favorite. That's not going to happen. It will not happen. But there's a hard point that's made in the first chapter. And it's simply this. There is no remembrance of those who came before. And of those who will come after, there will, be, there will also be no remembrance by those who follow them. Basically, the point that's made, each and every one of us will be, when it comes to this world, when it comes to time and space, every person in this room will be forgotten. We will all be forgotten. It's a hard point. Let me ask you this. How many of you remember your great-grandparents? Show of hands. How about your great-great-grandparents? grandparents. Within two to three generations, most of us will be forgotten. 
And it's hard. Because for, but for the Christian, there's hope in this statement because we are not living to be remembered anyway. There is a name. There is a name that has lasted since the beginning of time before and will last through eternity. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. In, the, in John, at the very beginning, it says he was the word. When we needed saving, he came and he was our savior. And he's coming again as conquering king and his, and his kingdom will last forever. The purpose God gives us doesn't promote us. It lifts up the only name that matters. Jesus. Jesus. And this idea of being forgotten, it's, it's hard. But why is it so hard for us to be forgotten by the world if we are remembered by Christ? If we are remembered by Christ. And, and, and if that's the result of my purpose, if, if, if I, I submit my purpose to the will of God and, and, and I live for him and, and Jesus remembers me, and in that I, I get to be with him forever, isn't that worth giving everything for? And then in some of the things that we waste our time on that are going to pass away, isn't that worth letting go of when we look at it from this perspective? The things that are truly meaningless when this is done. There was a woman, um, she had died and she had come back and she had claimed to, to, to see heaven. And I won't get into all of that, but she said one thing. She said one thing. She said, they say you can't take it with you. And you can't, but there is one thing that you can take with you. Do you know what you can take with you when you die? People. Every person that hears Jesus from your mouth gets to be with you forever. They don't have to be forgotten. You can share. You can share the gospel. And at the end of Jesus' life, he makes this statement so that we would understand. He looks to God and he says this. He says, I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. In other words, he shared he shared the testimony of the cross and the salvation and he shared God with every person around him so that every person would be with him, that would accept the message, would be with him forever. And there is something about God's purpose that brings peace. And in the midst of the peace we feel, we understand that it's, it's not us, but God who is glorified. Now, Paul gives us a similar idea when he's, he's writing his final letter to Timothy. He's in prison, and he's in a Roman prison. He's, a, he's about to be executed. And one of the things he says in the scripture, he says, I'm being poured out like a drink, a drink offering. And what that simply means is this, is, is what most scholars believe is that since Paul was a Roman citizen, the way that they were going to execute him is they were going to take him out to the edge of the city and they were going to hang him upside down and quickly cut off his head so that the blood would run out. That's their humane way of executing people. All right, so you're Paul, okay? You're pinning your final letter to Timothy, and you're sitting in a jail cell. What do you write? What do you write? If you're like me and you've lost loved ones, and you go talk to them that what might be for the final time, we don't walk up to them and say, hey, how's the weather? 
How about them Titans? Go Vols. We don't have those conversations. We don't. We say, I love you. We say the things that we should have said long before this moment came because we really want them to know how we feel. We really want them to know our heart. So here's Paul in in 2 Timothy, and he's pinning some of his final words, and he says this. He says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Now, Corey Trimble has taught me how to color code, so that's great. But there's three points in this. Paul says, I have fought the good fight. In other words, I have lived in purpose. I have lived out God's purpose for my life. Then he says, I have finished the race. In other words, perseverance. We'll talk about that more next week. But this idea that he has stayed committed to his call. And then he says, I have kept the faith. In other words, I relied on God for the whole thing. And then everything else in white in this verse is his reward and hours for doing the exact same thing. Because what we understand is death is not the end for the Christian. We are merely being separated from a world that is dying anyway. And ultimately, discovering God's purpose gives us the opportunity to choose how we want our lives here on earth to end. And here's what I mean by that. Paul's about to lose his life. They're they're about to stop his heart from beating by whatever means necessary. But this is not when Paul died. Paul died long before this. If you look at the book of Galatians, uh, chapter 2, verse 20, Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul had been dead for a long time because he is alive in Christ. He chose how he wanted his life to end. And we get to make that discovery in our life that when we submit ourselves to God's purpose, we get to choose how this ends because we get to choose him. We are all called according to his purpose. Your life was meant for him. You were meant for more than the want-tos. You've been, you were meant for more than the have-tos. You, you were meant for the purposes of God. And the thing is, whether you are Christian or not, I believe every person is instilled with this, this, this urge for purpose. We, that's why we ask the questions, why am I here? What am I supposed to do? What is my purpose? We ask those questions whether you are Christian or not, but I believe God gives us those things so that we would understand that there's more than this and that we will seek him with our life and we will understand what he's calling us to do. Whether you're a Christian or not, that urging is within all of us, but is the wise person who draws it out. Every person in here has the potential for purpose, whether you are young or old. 
You have the potential to draw it out. There's a movie. Um, it's really hard to watch, but I love the ending of it. It's uh, Saving Private Ryan. <clears throat> and in the movie, Ryan is, uh, Private Ryan is the last brother in his family that's left alive. All his brothers had died in combat, so a squad had to go in and get him out because he was the only surviving family member to keep the line going. And a number of them died trying to save him. And then the movie flash forwards, it flashes forward to the very end where uh, now Mr. Ryan is an old man and he's standing in a graveyard. And he's, he's standing over the tomb of the man who died saving his life. And he's a little distraught. He's old now. And behind him, his children are there. His wife is there. His grandchildren are there. And in a sense, talking to the tombstone, he's talking to the man who died for him. And he's distraught because he wonders what kind of life he's lived. And his wife comes up and she reads the name on the tombstone and in tears he looks at his wife and I wrote it down so that I would say it exactly right. He looks at her and he says, tell me I've lived a good life. Tell me I'm a good man. And his wife is confused for a second and she looks at the grave and she looks at her husband and she all of a sudden realizes why he's asking the question and she puts her hand on his face and she says, you are. You are. You see, when this is said and done, Mr. Ryan wanted to live a life that was worth the sacrifice given to him. And for us, we are also called to live a life worth the sacrifice Jesus gave for us. You see, the gift has been given. There's nothing we can do to earn it. We can only respond to it in purpose. And if you get to have that moment at the end of your life, when you judge yourself, will it be a life filled with the purposes of God or will it be filled with something else? Because the thing is, we're not supposed to answer that question at the end of our life. We're supposed to answer that question now. Now. That from when the moment this service is done and you go out to the, the day Jesus either comes back or your life ends, that you answer that question with peace. Who are you truly living for? What are you living for? Is it time to set God's purposes in full view for your life? Or are you so focused on the want-tos and have-tos that you've forgotten what you were meant for, who you were meant for. Look, is it time to have a moment of surrender to God's purposes for your life? I'll tell you my story, and it's not because of any other reason that I want you to understand. I was in IT, and I started, I think, in 1997, and for roughly 12 years, I did IT work. And all of a sudden, probably about 2005, I was radically awake to my Christian faith. And I was, I, I, I looked up and I said, God, if you want me to scrub toilets the rest of my life, give me a brush and I'll do it. And I started 
praying. I said, God, I want my eight hours a day to honor you. And after praying that prayer for a year as an IT developer, God laid a job in front of me. I didn't even have to go looking for it to, to work at a ministry. And I was there for eight and a half years. And then they started to tell me that I needed to work here. But you know what? I had a great retirement. I, I, man, I, had, I was making good money. Things were going great. I had different plans for my life. But God showed me in a way that I couldn't deny after two years of praying about it that I was supposed to be here. My plans were different. They included vacations, early retirement. It was going to be awesome. But can I tell you something? I have never, and I say this as humbly as I could say it, I've never felt more fulfilled in my life having the privilege to be here because I don't think I deserve to be here. But God saw fit to bring me here. And whatever it is that he wants me to do, if he still wants me to scrub toilets, I'll do it because I love him. But the question is, is do we pray the prayer? Life Group Central, they're, they're, they're my family. I get to, to, they have to listen to me ramble every Wednesday night. Poor people. Um, one night I asked our discipleship group, and, and it was actually a question for all of our discipleship groups when we broke out into groups. Where is God leading you right now? Now, in my group, when we asked that, there was a lot of silence. You see, we like to get together and we like to talk about our opinions on Scripture and the, and the doctrine and the theology around it, but we don't ask questions like, where is God leading you right now? What is God convicting you of right now that you need to, to, to remove from your life? We don't ask those questions because we are disconnected sometimes from purpose. And we have to understand that the questions are important because ultimately, do you realize that surrendering to God's purpose for us is simply surrendering to God's will for us? And here why this point's important because often when we look at the way God wants us to live and we see the rules and how he wants us to treat people and how he wants us to spend our time and we, we think it's constricting and that it imprisons us. But actually God puts those rules in our life to free us. To free us. So he wants you to know your purpose not because he is trying to make your life more difficult he wants to set you even more free because you get to experience him. Grace is grace. We will never change that. But the realization of how free we are makes our life even more worth living. If you went to the doctor and 24 hours from now, your life was going to be over. And you saw yourself in the mirror in the judge. What would be your answer when it comes to purpose? What would be the answer? And are you happy with the answer right now? And I don't say that accusingly. Please do not take that. I do not have the right to come up here and be prideful in front of you. But I want the best for you. And I know God wants it even more. Are you happy with the answer? If not, you have between now and the rest of your life to work this out. But why not start now? Why not start now?
because we don't know when our time is up. But, God, but we can say, God, with what I have left, I'm going to give it to you. That will be my purpose, whatever it is. All around us is communion, and, and the prayer team is going to come up. And look, this is not an invitation for you to just go quit your jobs and do something irresponsible. This is an invitation for you to start praying. You may have to pray for weeks, months, years, but God, I promise you, God will respond and you will know. But you have to be willing to listen. You have to be willing to draw out the purpose that he has for you. Are you willing to do that? Let someone pray with you. As we take communion together, let's pray. God, I want to thank you, Lord, that you didn't leave us where we were at. God, you didn't leave us in a place where we would be forgotten, that, that, that we would be something that, like something that didn't exist. God, you gave us purpose. You gave a reason for us to live, God, that we get to be with you forever. And we get to exalt the only name that matters. Jesus, God, we thank you for that. We thank you that you instill purpose within us so that we can live for you. God, I pray that we start answering the question today, that we start asking and we start praying today what it is that you have for us to do for you. And God, no matter how hard the answer is, give us the strength to respond. We can't do this without you. We thank you for your grace and your purpose in our life. Lord, we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you guys very much.